Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Burger King? Come on, man. Taco Bell's above Burger King. That's... I'd like to publicly apologize to Burger King this morning. Um, hey, we're glad you guys are here this morning. I'm Brent. I'm the, uh, the student pastor and the young adults pastor here at North. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed enough that uh, Jay wants me up here to get to share with you. And before I get into anything this morning, I do want to share that uh, a little over a week ago, I got back from summer camp um, with our group of students. And I just wanted to thank you guys for your thoughts prayers, encouragement, and I want to uh, challenge you with something. So always at camp, there's kind of a mountaintop experience, and man, we, we experience God in such a tangible, very cool way. Um, I've never had a camp experience where I've had zero drama, like none of the girls chased boys, and none of the boys chased girls, which was just awesome. Um, so to be able to not have to deal with that stuff and just be able to embrace what God was doing, the vulnerability, the wisdom that was shared from what God was doing in the students, I just came back super encouraged. And especially like you guys know, I, I moved here in November. And uh, that's just a weird time to transition as a pastor because you're kind of in the middle of things with student ministry. So I feel like that uh, experience was kind of like solidifying for me to be their youth pastor, to be able to connect with them um, in a different way. So it was just a great experience. But one of the things we, sh we talked about was the parable of the sower. Um, and what we kind of took away is that a lot of times um, when that, when that uh, gospel falls in the rich soil, um, the, the weeds can come up and kind of snatch that away and the world becomes more appealing. Um, than, than the gospel. So if you would partner with me to pray for these students throughout the year, that um, their, their uh, gospel message would take deep root in that soil, just so that we can all be prayer warriors for them, because we know what this world offers, we know what Christ offers, and I, I pray constantly that the ways of the world seem foolishness to our, for our students. So if you would partner with me in that, um, and, and write that down somewhere, just be praying for these students, that they would honor the commitments they made to Christ. I would greatly appreciate that, and I know they would too. Um, but we are, in, are continuing our Parables of Jesus series today, and uh, who's ready to get convicted? If you're ready to get convicted, give me a we. <laughs> it's just bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did it with the kids. But man, um, this preparing for this sermon has just punched me in the gut so much. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to be looking at my notes a lot today. I don't like to do that. I like to kind of uh, engage more. But there's just so much. Like even this morning, God just continues to t continue to teach me on this topic um, we, are, we are talking about today. But just an overview to remember that when Jesus spoke in parables, he was teaching about the kingdom of God. And the reality of the kingdom of God for those of us uh, that are in Christ and what that looks like for us to live in this world as members of the kingdom of God, where God is our ultimate authority, what he says goes, and we live by his uh, standard, not the world's standards. And in the parables, you can see that Jesus, when he talks about the kingdom, it is a very stark contrast from how the world lives and how the world operates. But here's the thing with kingdom living. There's some things that we do very well with kingdom living, but then there's kind of the suggestion box of kingdom living that we don't take as seriously. And the topic that we're talking about today, we have to take seriously. Okay, I've often shared from 
from this uh, from this area that uh, this isn't our home, but we like to set up shop pretty pretty comfortably here. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of heaven, um, and this is kind of a non-negotiable um, for God. So the, the parable is uh, is about one of the most things that is so ingrained in our faith, but seldomly lived out in a His kingdom mindset. This this topic is very flesh-driven rather than spirit-driven, and it's the spiritual F-word, okay? Yes, I said the F-word, so whatever F-word you're thinking, it's not that one, okay? So I would say, what do you think it is? But I don't want to get the wrong answer thrown out at me, okay? We're talking about forgiveness today, and I, I, I uh, titled this sermon, The Freedom of Forgiveness, all right? And lack of forgiveness, what it ends up leading us to is, is a grudge. How many of you guys have ever had a grudge before? We all have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I hear mm-hmms, okay? Grudges, like we ca- sometimes they're internal, we don't show them off, and we carry them with us like a weight. Sometimes we like to wear them as a jacket. Sometimes we like to carry them, pull them along like a little puppy, and we love to show them off to people. And we show them our grudge, and we tell the, gr- tell the people who the grudge is against, and people end up knowing more about our grudge than our God because our identity becomes so ingrained in the grudges that we hold towards other people. Okay, Our grudges lead other people, lead, lead our friends to have problems with people that they've never even met before because we can't tame our tongue. Is this true? It's absolutely true. Okay, And as I was typing this, like, God just kept bringing people to my mind, okay? So even as I'm preaching this, like, God has just been doing a work in me and is continuing to do a work in me. So I'm, if I, like, stumble over my words this morning, it's just because I'm overwhelmed with kind of what God's been doing in my life this week through writing this. So I'm not, I'm not talking at you. I'm not talking to you. I'm more talking with you, if that makes any sense. Um, what I'm saying this morning. But if you go back to when you're a little kid, like I have young kids, like forgiveness is one of the first things that you are ever taught. Like especially if you have a sibling, they do something wrong. Okay, you say sorry. Okay, you say sorry. You say what? I forgive you. My wife will say, we'll make our kids say, you say I love you and you're my best friend. You don't have a choice in that. Okay. But, but you always say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. And then when you're little, you just go skip away and continue playing, and whatever happened is completely gone. But as you get older, it's not that easy. As life goes on, the things done or said that require forgiveness can leave us with lasting wounds, can leave us with scars. They can mess our life up even, or the flow of our life, um, and it can get pretty bad, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. A lot of times it doesn't just involve you, but other people are involved, and it affects those relationships. And even though forgiveness is often ingrained in us, it's seldom put into practice the way God intended us to forgive other people in the way we're supposed to living in the kingdom of God reality. So we, walk, we end up walking around a lot heavier spiritually than we need to, okay? Need a drink of water. I'm going to have turbulence in a second. God showed me so much even this week. I had a situation where um, one of my best friends texted me about a prayer request. And when he told me what I was going to be praying for, like, my heart sank. Because what he's experiencing right now is one of the worst things you can experience as a parent. And immediately, my first, re- I, got, I got so mad for him. And my first response was like, are you going to call the authorities? And his response back to me was, well, we're going to approach him as a church first. 
and we're going to have a conversation. And then he, he explained to me the plan, and I, like, I was taken back because here I am writing this sermon on forgiveness. But yet my first response was so flesh-driven to, to make sure that this guy was going to have justice served to him. And I, I thanked my friend, and I said, man, thank you for being such an example of kingdom living for me because here's how I responded. And he put his exact response was, bro, it's so hard. And he doesn't, we don't say bro unless it's like sarcastically just because we're not bros. But when he said bro, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like he's, he's dead serious. Like it is so hard. So I've been in, in prayer for him. Um, but just to be able to be realize, man, I am so flesh-driven when it comes to forgiveness rather than spirit-driven, okay? So, like I said, I'm preaching to myself, but let's pray, and then we'll get into this parable this morning. Uh, God, you're so good. I thank you for how your spirit moves, how he works, how he transforms us, and um, Lord, I'm praying for peace this morning um, just because I'm overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed by what you're doing in my life. I'm overwhelmed um, what you're doing in the students' lives. There's just so many good things happening. And, um, but, Lord, I need your peace right now to be able to convey your truth. So I pray your word's not mine. And, Lord, when we walk out of here, I pray we're not the same people that walked in, but we're transformed um, by your love, by your grace, by your mercy, and your forgiveness, God. What, what you do for us, Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit, we're able to do that for others um, as we continue to walk, walk in truth and be light and salt to this world. In your name I pray. Amen. So if you, if, you, if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, it's Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It's going to be on the screen. We're reading the ESV version. Okay, but this parable, it says, Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Now to pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do, for, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay. So before we kind of break this parable down, the first thing you need to know is that this is an exaggeration. It's an over-exaggeration of a story made to, so Jesus could prove a very important point to those listening, okay? The amount of debt that is owed to this master is such a large sum of money that your mind can't even fathom it that in any situation, the person that the debt is owed to would look at this and just go, there's no way you can pay this. You basically get rid of the servant. They're out of sight, out of mind. It's that big of a debt, 
okay? Move, you just want to move on from that guy um, and keep going with your life because there's no way you're going to get in return what you gave out, okay? The master gives mercy and forgiveness that is so grand and extravagant that, once again, it's hard to fathom how you can give somebody that owes that amount of debt that much mercy, grace, and forgiveness. So Jesus is showing that no matter how the debt somebody, how big the debt somebody owes you, you can forgive them, okay? That same servant that was shown grace and mercy, he responds very irrationally to a servant that owes him money by choking him out, taking physical action against somebody else for a debt that is not near the amount that, is, that he owed to his master, okay? Then even the master canceling the servant and throwing him into prison to rot, okay? That's to show us that there are consequences in judgment for those who live in the kingdom of God and don't forgive. But it is a very extreme punishment to show the importance of the forgiveness, grace, and mercy that needs to be extended, okay? So Jesus used this parable, a parable, once again, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? to illustrate in an extreme way how important forgiveness is to him, all right? He used talents, which is a sum of money, and a talent was the largest sum of money. So what Jesus is saying that this servant owed, like I said, it's an unfathomable amount of money that can't be repaid, okay? It was like for our terms, it'd be using like a zillion or a gagillion, like just a made-up number that you just throw out there just to show um, the, the grandeur of something, okay? It's basically, in reality, this is the debt that we owe to God because of the, the countless number of times that we sin. There's not enough things that we can do. There's not enough uh, prayers we can pray. There's not enough sorries we can say, okay? It's all about Jesus on the cross. That's how we are forgiven. We, we cannot repay our debt. That's why Jesus took it upon himself. Because the debt couldn't be, couldn't be paid, the punishment for him was that he, his family, and his house be sold. So what did he, what choice did he have other than to beg for mercy? But no master could possibly forgive that amount of debt unless that person had compassion for this person that owed the debt. And I think so often in life, that's the point that we miss when we, when we hold forgiveness from people. We don't look at people through the eyes of compassion. The same compassion that Jesus looks on us each moment of every day because we need it. He sees our human weakness. He sees our past. He sees why we are the way that we are. He meets us in that, and he extends his mercy, grace, and forgiveness. He has eyes of compassion. Do you have eyes of compassion for people? Compassion is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. So this servant was given mercy and forgiveness. Okay, How's your compassion meter for people? Does it even exist, or is it selective? for your, your kind of your close group circle of friends, okay? The reality is we all come from pasts. We all have baggage in our lives that, that can lead us to be pretty nasty people, okay? And the reality is, is that there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that in their own life. They don't realize, they don't take a second to think this is why I am the way that I am, and they live in those chains of generational sins. But the reality is, like, have you ever done something that, like, you just walk away from it, and you're like, man, that wasn't me. That wasn't me, but it was something really, really big or bad, and it just left you with lots of consequences, okay? It's important to see people as people. 
All right, that's how we can see people with compassion. I do want to touch on mercy and grace because they're, they're not interchangeable. They do mean different things, and if you don't know what this is, you can write it down. But mercy in the simplest form is it's not getting what you deserve. It's not getting what you deserve. That man deserved to be sold. That's a consequence, but the master showed him mercy. And then grace is getting what you don't deserve, so it's like a bonus, so the mercy is like the ice cream, and then the grace is like the, the sprinkles in the cherry, all right? It's the blessing. It's the gift, all right? It's heaven for us. Going back to the story, that servant was given mercy and forgiveness, but then he's put in a very similar situation moments after he was forgiven, but his debt that was owed to him was only 100 denarii, and that's 100 days' wages. It's still a lot of debt, but in comparison to what he owed the master, it's not even close, okay? And rather than show that servant grace and mercy, he literally takes physical action against him, which is so irrational, so irrational. You ever been irrational towards people? You say something that you're like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? Hopefully you've never been physical with anybody, okay? That might be a whole other conversation. But our sin what we owe, what we're in debt to, it levels the playing field. We're all on the same level in God's eyes. Okay, so we have, to be, we, have to, we have to really guard ourselves about how we view people. And if we put ourselves above them, um, and with, if that holds forgiveness from people, okay? So the second servant finds himself in the same situation that the servant, first servant found himself in. And he responds the exact same way. He begs for mercy, okay? And he begs for mercy in the exact same verbiage that the other servant begged the master for. Only his response or what he was given didn't match up, okay? The servant who was forgiven didn't have compassion like the master did. And really, um, this comes from an unrepentant heart. Unrepentant heart. Remember, repentance doesn't, isn't about the behavior. It's about your internal mindset to be changed to have the mind of Jesus Christ. This servant didn't repent even though he was shown forgiveness, grace, and mercy. He still had the same hard heart, and that's why he couldn't extend it to anybody else. He threw that man in prison, okay? And then you have some tattletales that go tell the master, and we have to be careful about that because there's some people out there that just love to watch the world burn. They love to see the negative things happen. That's why we, like, watch the news. And what, what was his name? Like the, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, the amount of comments people commented on that. Just, like, because we love to watch people suffer. And that is such a dangerous, numbing uh, aspect of our culture. We have devalued the human existence so much in our lives that is very hard to see people with compassion. But these people, they inserted, the, the, these servants' friends, they inserted themselves into the situation and they go tell the master, okay? Um, so have you ever inserted yourself into a situation just so you can watch people burn? I have. And here's the thing, we do it out of selfish motives, but we can mask it as like, no, I'm just going in there to help you because that's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. Okay? Like, we have to get this right in our hearts. We have to repent of our mindset to have the mind of Christ. Okay? God will forgive, but there is judgment for us who choose to withhold forgiveness. So, last time I spoke on a parable, 
I said that a lot of these parables, you can put yourself in the story and identify with the character. So out of these two, two servants, you can absolutely identify with both. You've been on the receiving end of forgiveness, okay, grace and mercy. And you've also been on the end of withholding forgiveness, grace, and mercy. You've been on the end of the, the bystanders that love to plug themselves into situations they have no business be, uh, being in, okay? But let me, let, me, let me remind you or be the first to tell you, okay, that this, this truth about forgiveness, while, while it, it blesses the other person, is really for you. Forgiveness is for you so that you can be free and not carry resentment, hurt, um, grudges with you. Jesus wants you free from all of these things, okay? He wants you free from situations you've been in. He wants you free from people that have hurt you. And the way you get free is forgiveness, okay? But I do want to tell you, it's a, it, it can be a process. It took me four years to forgive people, which I'll get to um, in a little bit. But here's the thing. Forgiveness is so great to receive. Is anybody bad at receiving forgiveness? That, like, you're forgiven, but yet you just hold the guilt and shame that you wronged somebody, okay? Yet, yet if you've been forgiven, like, Jesus wants you to let that go, but Satan has such a crafty way of keeping us in chains. Like, forgiveness gets you out of the chains. Forgiveness gets you out of the chains, okay? I want to talk about why we don't give forgiveness, okay? The, the simplest way is because we love to play judge and jury. Like, we, we, love, we love to have that control in our lives. But like I said, this, this truth about forgiveness, it's a non-negotiable in the kingdom of God. And God's standard is so different than the world's. Okay, so Peter, um, Pete goes up to Jesus, and he's like, hey, do I have to forgive him seven times? And, like, Peter was listening to Jesus, and he's like, I'll throw that number seven out just to give the Sunday school answer. And for, in their custom, so... Rabbis would teach that you have to forgive three times, all right? So three times, strike three, you're out, then there's consequences. Pete's like, I'm going to be over-religious, and instead of saying three, I'm going to say seven, because that's, that's Jesus' jersey number. He's going to love that, okay? And it's a number of completeness. It's a number of whole. If you remember the um, Revelation series, Jay taught us all those those number meanings, okay? So Pete thought he was being over-religious and giving the right answer, okay? Um, but yet Jesus takes it so much further, and he says 77 times, and that's not a literal number, okay? He's saying that forgiveness has no end, and he, you have to understand that because if we ever make forgiveness about numbers, then we're just going to try to get to the goal of forgiveness as the number. It's not going to be a heart thing. It's going to be a legalistic thing, Okay? Forgiveness has no end, but what keeps us from forgiveness, it's so easy to harbor bitterness in our heart towards people, and we can justify it all we want because they said this, they did this, they drug my name this way. So because of that, it hurts us, and we want justice, we want vengeance, okay? And if we are not repentant towards this, then our forgiveness is going to look no different than the world's rather than displaying the kingdom of God, okay? Lack of forgiveness can and does stem from anger issues, okay? I want to go to the Sermon on the Mount for a second and hit you guys with a uh, uh, gut-punching question, okay? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 21 through 22, Jesus is talking to just disciples, all right? Not the crowds of spectators or people that are kind of interested in Jesus. He's talking to his followers in the Sermon on the Mount, 
He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. And he says this, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Once again, Jesus is talking about heart issues here. He goes from the physical sin of murder and he takes it further to the internal decision, okay? It's extremely hard to forgive people when you have a hard heart. It's extremely hard to look at people with compassion when you have a hard heart. So here's the tough question I want you to answer, okay? And hopefully, if you're honest, it can lead you to understanding that you're withholding grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So if Jesus takes it from a physical act of murder to an internal decision of anger and bitterness towards people, that the, that is the same as murder, who are you murdering in your life? Who have you murdered lately? When you wake up, who are you murdering in your mind when you go to bed? Who are you murdering while you lay your head on your pillow? Who are you so angry and bitter towards that you carry that grudge with you everywhere you go. I'm just telling you, I've been there. I've lived so much of my life that way, and I justified it so much, but I was holding myself in chains when Jesus teaches us through his word how we can be free. And that starts with forgiveness. You can let go of grudges, okay? Um, If you love God, you obey his commands. If you love God, you obey his commands. So if you love God, how are, what areas are you not obeying his commands when it comes to this? Your lack of forgiveness, your anger towards people, okay? We like to write people off instead of look for reconciliation and restoration, okay? And these things aren't always going to happen. You're not always going to be able to be reconciled to people. Um, but I want to touch on cancel culture real quick, which is so relevant in our culture today. And the cancel culture is this, this idea in our society. If you're not familiar with it, um, you should be because it's been around for a few years now. That if somebody has a past or somebody that has wronged you or caused you pain in your life, okay, um, you just cancel them out. All right, you see it happen in media, social media all the time with celebrities. People have lost their careers just because they've done something in their past that has hurt somebody, and then a group of people, an angry mob, get together and try to wipe them off the, off the face of the earth. And like I said earlier, what that has done in our culture is we don't value human life anymore. And that might seem like a bold statement, but we don't. We don't care who we write off as long as there's justice and we're vindicated. Like, there's no forgiveness, there's no grace, there's no mercy in our culture. So, a stark contrast is the kingdom of God. So, this is where this repentant, repentant heart really needs to come in, and we really need to seek the Lord, because we can have no place in cancel culture whatsoever. There's a difference between um, setting barriers between yourself and other people for your own benefit and your, your health, your mental health, spiritual health, but to to cancel them all together where you don't look at them as a person anymore because of something they've done in their past. I've done stuff in my past. You've done stuff in your past. We're all in the same playing field. God needs to be judge and jury, not us. Okay, we live and serve God's kingdom, not the world. All right, every, every single one of us has to stand before God and judgment. We need to let God be, be God, okay? So look back at this parable, and I always wonder those, those servants 
um, that did see that servant that was shown mercy and grace when he got drug away and thrown in jail. I wonder what kind of party they were having just so they could say, yeah, he got his. Like, like I said, we just love to see people suffer. And that's just so unhealthy. Don't be one of those people that gets caught up in that. Don't get, be one of those people that gets caught up in that, whether it's with your eyes, whether it's with your mouth, talking about things that are toxic. Seek the Lord and his compassion on people. Kingdom living is so different than worldly living. And we, we, we the church, carry out the kingdom of God. All right, the people of God, the church, us, we need to be an example of God's love towards others. We're an extension of Christ's ministry here on earth. So we, we're building and serving his kingdom. And cancel culture, guys, it was, it's, it's not anything new by any means. It's been around since Bible times. The woman at the well, she would have been canceled. She goes out to get her water midday, hottest point of the day. She doesn't have to be around anybody. Okay, How did Jesus treat her? While everybody else canceled her, how did Jesus treat her? Grace and mercy. Zacchaeus would have been canceled. He couldn't see Jesus. He was short, but I still, like, people hated that guy. I still don't think it was like, I, I think they were boxing him out, basically. I think they were like, don't let Zacchaeus see that we hate that guy. He stole from us all these times, okay? Zacchaeus was canceled. How did Jesus handle Zacchaeus? Hey, let's go to your house. Grace and mercy. Joseph was canceled by his brothers because he got a sweet jacket, okay? Years later, his brothers show up at his front step. How does he handle them with grace and mercy? Okay, it took me four years to forgive people in my life. And this story, the story of Joseph brought me to forgiveness because for so long I held those people in chains because it was my first church that, that did a number on me, hurt me, led me to move to Arizona the first time. And I'm like, I'd, I'd still be living at home miserable. And I'd, yeah, but I moved, and I was like, God was like, I, I brought you here. I brought you here. It wasn't them. It wasn't them. I brought you here. All that stuff had to happen to get you out of there, but I brought you here. And I'm like, oh, God, you're good. Thank you. Thank you. But it took four years for me to realize that, that it's God's big story, okay? Cancel culture. We can't be a part of it, but it will happen to us, okay? It will happen to us as followers of Jesus, like, Scripture talks about it. Like, it's going to, if you live for Jesus, people will cancel you. It's happened in my life. Jesus was canceled by humanity. Paul was constantly tried to be canceled by angry mobs, religious people, and politicians. But how do we respond when we are canceled by people, internally and externally? And John 15, 18 through 19 says this. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Okay, so there's your warning that you will get canceled, all right, but how do we respond when it happens to us? The same way Jesus responded, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Why? Because it reveals and displays the beauty of living in God's kingdom and his love. And God wants to wor use us, work in us, through us, by the power of his spirit, to reveal that to other people, okay? We're in church, so most people know that, that God canceled our sin and our debt that we cannot, could not do. So 
constantly go back to that. Rather than being Christ-minded and forgiving and extending mercy to cancel the debt and the sin of other people, who who are you canceling? It kind of goes along with that murder thing. Rather than canceling their sin and debt, what people are you canceling because of their sin and debt to you? Hear me, okay? There are situations in your life that call for setting boundaries, moving away from certain relationships, but there still needs to be forgiveness and mercy extended to those people. That 77 times that you have to forgive people, it doesn't mean like go back into those situations and keep allowing yourself to be wounded and hurt and and so on and so forth. But forgiveness needs to be there. Forgiving and enabling are very different things, and Jesus wants you free from both types of chains, okay? Um, A verse that has really helped me keep perspective um, is Paul when he's writing to the the Christians in Rome and on how to live is Romans 12, 9 through 21. And the title of it, I love it, it's the the marks of being a a true Christian. And I mark a true Christian as a disciple. You went from a believer to actually a disciple and following Jesus, okay? It says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by, e- overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I always go back to this verse where it says, So as far as it, as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That means you do your part. In relationships. The one thing in life, well, a lot of things in life you can't control, but one of the things that you, I wish you could control is how people respond to you. So if you go to somebody, okay, you try to make things right, and here's the thing, like, maybe the people that you feel owe you an apology that you're holding, withholding forgiveness from, do they even know it? Have you ever had that conversation with them? Or have you just canceled them right away and moved on them from the relationship? Because, like, who's non-confrontational? You just run away from stuff like that. I'm like that, okay? So what Scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. So sometimes you have to go have a conversation that you might not necessarily want to have. And sometimes that can bring unity. That can bring restoration back to the relationship. Sometimes you might be hitting the nail right on the head, and they might have beef with you. But as long as you do what depends on you to live at peace... They might not respond the best way, but you can still walk away knowing that you followed what God says to do in the kingdom of God, okay? God gets the final word, so whatever you feel like doing in your flesh, do the opposite. (laughs) Do the opposite, okay? We all know the golden rule, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. We say it, and it's super cute. We'll have it hanging in our kitchens, 
All right? But is it something we put into practice? So who are you not at peace with? And what do you have to do to get there? If you're withholding forgiveness with somebody, are you waiting for an apology? Because guess what? You might not get it. Okay? You might not get it. But that's like saying, like, when you get to heaven, like, is God going to go, hey, like, you're not going to be able to say, God, I, I apologized and asked for forgiveness for every single one of my sins. Like, I forget to do that. I'm not always faithful in confession, or sometimes I'll do the nursery rhyme prayer where I'm like, I sinned so much today. We'll just blanket it all. God, forgive me of my sins rather than being specific. Okay? We expect things from people that we're not willing to do ourselves. Sometimes the issues we have that lead to unforgiveness are our own issues that we project onto others. If you have a problem with somebody, do they even know it? Have you given people a chance to right their wrong? Do they even know they upset you? Or have you already canceled them? Okay? Is the wrong they've done to you, is it actually forgivable? In the eyes of Scripture, yup. Every single one, yep. I was doing a lot of research as I was writing this because I've heard so many stories, like gut-wrenching stories of like a person making a decision to take the life of another person that's like, that has parents. And I've, I've read these stories of like those parents going to that person that totally rocked their world and extending forgiveness. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's the extremeness in this parable. But um, on August 2006 in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, which is central PA, um, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, a, a schoolhouse shooting um, where the lives of five little schoolgirls were taken and there were five more injured because of one man's horrible decision and it, it really shook the entire town up okay and where this is in pennsylvania has a very large amish community so shout out to the amish community um but they're probably not watching um that was a good joke huh <laughs> sorry that just threw me off track um but immediately immediately after this shooting the the amish community gathered together and went to the shooter's family's house to talk about forgiveness, to talk about grace and mercy, to pray for them, to pray with them, and to see what they needed. They got in contact with the gunman's wife and the children immediately, okay? And they, they, they asked the question, why is it so easy to forgive? And their response was all the same. They say, we live our life to follow Jesus. And for them, f forgiveness isn't a, just a decision, it's a way of life. It's in their DNA, because their DNA, they have the mind of Christ because they pursue righteousness. They pursue the things of the word, okay? Um, and for a lot of those communities, their forgiveness stems from this very parable we're, we're looking at today. In the most extreme cases, it doesn't matter. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, forgiveness, grace, mercy, forgiveness, grace, mercy. If God can consistently and constantly forgives us for the largest debt we could ever owe to him, by the power, by the power of his spirit, <laughs> not by human effort whatsoever, we can come to forgiveness towards other people because that's kingdom living, okay? In situations, it's so easy to be part of the problem that starts or joins hate speech to cancel people, and we don't even realize we're doing it just because it's so second nature to us. We just talk negatively. Okay, and we cancel people all the time. 
So rather than be part of the problem, how can we be part of the solution to pursue Christ-centered solutions? Okay? Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, so it's pretty important if Jesus is teaching us how to pray that it's non-negotiable for God, that we are forgiven, so we need to forgive those who have wronged us. But it's easy to forgive those who you love some normally, but what about the enemies that you have? Can you forgive them? We all technically are enemies of God, but because of his love for us, because of Jesus, he made a way that we're heirs to the throne in heaven. And it's the ultimate example for us. I'm not saying regard the things that, that are done to you as wrong, as unimportant, okay? Because there's things, they do scar us, they do wound us. They're things that we need to constantly work through. Address them when they need to address. But I'm, what I'm saying is, if we're going to take other people's sins so seriously, then we need to take the extension of forgiveness more seriously. Because that's kingdom living. Matthew 7 it's once again, Sermon on the Mount, and these are the, this is a beatitude, and a beatitude is an attribute of somebody that lives in the kingdom of God, okay? It's not something to strive for. This should be a reality for those of us who walk with Jesus. It says, blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It goes along exactly with what this parable says, all right? The response to mercy given to us by God is to give mercy, but you can say, like, we can talk about this all day long, but Brent, they did this to me. They don't deserve it, Okay? Do you? Do I? It's about God's love. It's about God's love in us. The answer is yes. Why, why do they deserve mercy? Because Jesus extends mercy, and we live in his kingdom. Okay? When we extend forgiveness the way God has extended to us, it gives the recipient the opportunity to experience the forgiveness that God gives. Okay? Also, scientifically, Forgiveness and a bowl of Cheerios will lower your blood pressure, okay? So forgiveness, Cheerios. Not Burger King, Wes, okay? Pray for compassion. Pray for mercy so that way you can empathize. You can put yourself in other people's shoes. You can see them and their humanity, not just their actions. Don't separate the two. Forgiveness in reality is letting go. Because if you choose to forgive, it will release you from resentment, anger, depression, and fear. And forgiveness is not based on a feeling. Feelings are fleeting. Okay? Live in truth. Live with what God says. That is so much more important than a feeling. Forgiveness is not based on a feeling. All right? It's a choice to live that way. Okay? Like I said, I'm almost done. Withholding forgiveness makes us think that we're holding that person in prison so that we hold the chains and we get to pass judgment. But in reality, we're locking ourselves up. We're locking ourselves up. Here's the process of forgiveness. And um, you can write this down. This is, this is um, Brent's thoughts on it. You can, like, you can Google this stuff. There's like ChristianityToday.com, Christianity.com, all of these. There's, there's tons of lists that you can find on how to process forgiveness and work through it. But... Uh, all of this is under the umbrella of kingdom living. So pursuing God, seeking his word, seeking wise counsel. So that's the, that's the, the, the staple of all of this, but here's kind of where you go from there. So number one, how, how do you get to the place where you can forgive? Acknowledge, okay? Don't pretend it didn't happen, okay? Acknowledge it. Acknowledge who hurt you. Acknowledge why you think they hurt you. 
acknowledge what happened that, that led to this event? How long ago did it happen? And how, it, how did it affect you then? And how is it affecting you now? Okay. It's important to be real about, about these issues because then you can honestly work through them. Okay. Number two is identify all of the feelings that you're feeling. Write them down if you have to. I don't write them down. Normally, I'll just end up having conversations with myself in the car. Okay, but identify all of the feelings, acknowledge them, give them a name because then they become real to you. Okay, number three, all right, forgive and cancel the debt. And this this can look different in so many different ways. Like I've I've written letters to people that I don't send. Okay, I can take a match to them, but that way I get the things off of my chest because you might never get get a sorry from that person. All right, and I've learned to be okay with that. Okay, you can take a blank check and you can write their name on it. And you can write paid in full, like forgiven, whatever it is that you need to do. Maybe you need a tangible thing to show that you you forgive and cancel the debt. Number four is uh, move forward. All right, move forward. Set boundaries if you need to. Talk to them if you need to. Continue to seek counsel if you need to. And number five is stay committed to your forgiveness. Okay. Satan has a crafty way of uh, keeping a playbook on us and loves to show those highlight reels and whisper those lies to remind you of what somebody did to you, okay? Don't let poison thoughts or lies from the enemy make you reconsider your obedience to Christ, okay? Unless there's something that you feel you need to address with that person. Stay committed to your forgiveness, all right? Laid at the feet of Jesus. Questions to think about. Am I only willing to forgive if the other person apologizes? Am I only willing to forgive if the other person apologizes? Okay. You still need to forgive them. Is the resentment part of my identity? Ooh. Is the resentment part of my identity? Do I, do, is it just become so ingrained in me that I don't even know who I am if it's not part of my daily life anymore? Do I like the anger? What pleasure does it give me? Or some of my relationships grounded in this bitterness. I don't know if you've had those relationships, but every time you get together with them, all they do is talk about their grudge. Or, their, or maybe it's all that you do, and it becomes so thick in your life. Am I unable to forgive because of my ego? Am I unable to forgive because of my ego? Pray for humility. Next one, is this where I want to stay? Do you enjoy that your life has led you to this point, living in chains? Last one, if I forgive, what does it look like? And sometimes that's a, you have to go through a tunnel of chaos and have those conversations you don't want to have. You'd rather just cancel the person. Or what does it look like after you forgive them? And those chains are off, but you've gotten so used to carrying that baggage with you, you don't really even know where your identity is anymore. Okay? It's in Jesus. Scripture, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Kind and compassionate forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you, okay? The master in the parable looked at his indebted servant with compassion, and that's so vital. Matthew 6, 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Forgiveness is an expectation in God's kingdom. It's a repentant heart from the world's thinking to the mind of Christ. Colossians 3:13. bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This could be a game changer for you. It is for me. This whole week has been bananas for me. Okay, this could drastically change and affect some of your relationships in your life. It could lead you to freedom in your daily life. 
okay? Because it's kingdom living, okay? I have this worksheet that I put some out at the uh, um, guest services, and all it is, it's a forgiveness and core belief worksheet, okay? And on the top, I'll just walk through it real quick. It says, who did it to you? What did they do to you? How did it make you feel? How old were you when it happened? Where were you living at the time? Okay, as you enter this memory, how much pain is still present? Okay, and then it leads you through a prayer. And then there's, there's uh, a chart on the bottom, and it says lies and truth. And to kind of explain what that is, so um, I've shared a little bit. Like when we came from California, we just were left with deep wounds, and there's a lot of names that pop up um, from that situation, which I've, I've been through this process to, to extend forgiveness, grace, and mercy. But some of the lies I put is I would say, this person is a blank, 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 blank. Those aren't swear words, but it was just saying, like, I think this person isn't fit to be in leadership. I don't even think they're a Christian. And then I would go look up scripture to say, well, what does God say about this person? When I'm not able to look at them through the eyes of compassion, all right, what does the Bible say about this person? All right, so it's, it's taking these thoughts that are toxic and, and hurt you to the truth and the reality of what God says. Okay, when you're not able to look at people as people and you connect them to a situation more, all right, so if you want to take one, if you want to take 50, I think I only printed out 50, so don't take all 50, but just take, just take one, work through it, pray through it, don't hold grudges, okay? You can't change the past or what's been done to you. You can't change people, but you can change what you carry with you and how you live in the kingdom of God and how you impact the kingdom of God. Okay, I want to close with this story. There's two religious men standing at a river, and um, it's a raging river, and they're about to cross, and there's this female that, uh, hey, can you guys help me across the river? But because of their religion, they're not allowed to touch her, okay? But she needs to get across, and the, the, the river's raging, so the one religious guy puts her on his back, and they cross over, okay? Puts her down. She walks away, and the two religious men continue on the journey. And the one religious man wouldn't even talk to the other one because he was so mad at him. Okay? Five miles down the road, he starts to confront the religious man about why he picked up that woman. And the other dude looks at him and he goes, Brother, I put that woman down five miles ago. Why are you still carrying her with you? <laughs> okay? We carry so much resentment, bitterness, hatred, anger towards people. Like, Jesus wants you free from all of that. Jesus wants you free from the pain that they caused you, okay? So where in your mind, where in your heart, where in your life do you need to repent from your way of thinking to allow the reality of Jesus's thinking come into your life? We need to stop murdering people. We need to stop, if you're just tuning in, there's a context to that. So, uh, yeah. We need to stop being a part of cancel culture. We need to show the forgiveness, grace, and mercy that has been extended to us, regardless of what has been done to us. And I know that's so difficult, but we're living in God's kingdom. This world is in our home, so we need to stop setting up shops so much like it is. Like, we get to be an extension of Christ's ministry, okay? All those wounds, all those, those things that ha have happened in your life, that have led you to unforgiveness, allow Jesus in those. Let those people out of those. Let them go, okay? Forgive, be free. Let it be a lifestyle. 
Choose forgive, when you choose forgiveness, you choose freedom. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that even right now you would put names on our hearts and on our minds of who we're holding grudges against, of who we're murdering, of who we don't want good things for, of who we're not loving like you. And Lord, I pray that as far as it depends on us, that we would live at peace with people. So God, if that means a conversation, if that means a letter written to uh, to burn, God, I just pray that um, you would help us work these things out. That Lord, because we're forgiven, that we would forgive other people, Lord, and, and, and your kingdom would grow and your kingdom would be glorified and lifted high because of because of who you are, God. But we thank you for your love, your grace, your forgiveness. And um, Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, just thank you for meeting us where we're at. We love you and all God's people said. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Don't be overwhelmed by this stuff. Like, this is just kingdom living. And the reality is we have a God who is for you, a God who is with you, a God whose spirit is in you, and a God who wants to live through you. So seek him and his kingdom first, and let him work things out. Just be obedient. We have prayer partners over there. If you guys need prayer for anything, take advantage of that. Don't handle things on your own, okay? Uh, pray for humility, all right? We love you guys. Be a light this week. As you go out to lunch today, man, simple things. Ask your waiter or waitress how you can pray for them. But there's simple ways that you can live in the kingdom of God, and the more you step into that, just see what God, the doors God opens for you to continue to live in that kingdom. We love you guys, and we'll see you next Sunday. Have an awesome week. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.